Hello and welcome to Informed, a podcast series where you will hear from industry experts share their thought-provoking insights and lessons in the field of medical communications. This series is brought to you by ISMAP and is generously sponsored by MedThinkSciCom. I'm Leslie Ross, Director of Digital Strategy and Operations at MedThinkSciCom and the host of today's podcast. On today's episode, we will talk about digital transformation and how the medical affairs industry is embracing technology and innovation. With us today, we have Jenny Gith, Global Scientific Publications and Innovations Director at Pfizer. Her areas of focus include artificial intelligence, advancing digital dissemination through social media and closed platforms, as well as programs aimed at achieving true patient centricity. Jenny is a certified medical publication professional, author on several high-tiered peer-reviewed publications, and has presented at national and local meetings. Welcome, Jenny. Leslie, thank you so much for, for your time today. And everyone who is listening, thank you as well. I do have an interest in innovations, as you have mentioned, and I think that it is very important to discuss this very actively and in a conscious way and to recognize the value of these types of discussions in the hopes of generating new ideas. So I'm thrilled to be here today, and I think that we have a lot to talk about. We certainly do. And I want to focus on one of the words that you just mentioned, which is innovation. It's one that we've been mentioning across the industry for quite some time now, but I feel like people define it differently. How would you define innovation? What I tell people in lay language is I, I get to think about new ideas all day, right? Like that That's in my job description. But really, more formally, it has been defined by numerous organizations. You know, one of my favorites is, is an organization, it's called the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development. And they are this international conglomerate who work mainly on policy issues and publications related to policy issues. And they actually do it best, in my opinion. They define innovation as both a process and an outcome. So it's not just the new ideas and the adoption of new ideas and the growth of these value-added kind of novelties, right? But it's also the process that's behind it. We can focus on ways that we consume information as we innovate. We can think about ways that we use technologies and digital to develop new offerings and processes. And innovations can even result in the generation of new business models for companies and industries across the spectrum. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit maybe about the urgency around it too. Do you think this idea of innovative thinking is more important now than it has been in the past? And maybe what's driving that necessity, whether it be within your own organization or just broadly within our industry? I do think it's more important than it, than it has been in the past. I think that what's driving the necessity and the urgency behind it is that we are human beings who want to make sense of unfamiliar situations and challenges, and we need to evolve to generate new ideas. And what's happening is that because of the increasing pace of information dissemination and the availability of technology, we're not able to plan for the future in ways that we used to. So things don't fit into our established frameworks, if you will. And that uncertainty is challenging. And what happens when you're facing uncertainty? Well, you have to think differently and it drives new ideas. 
I think that we are all in the midst of, of a pandemic. And that really has only served to accelerate changes that were also already taking place. So it's a very interesting and complex time. Even as simple as realizing, okay, the way that we've interacted with our colleagues has changed over the past 12 months, and we've used technology to help us do that. Now, we all know Zoom fatigue is a real thing, but we are using these platforms to make sense of this virtual communication, this new world that we're living in. And then similarly with our external stakeholders and our HCPs who have been lacking in that peer-to-peer engagement, how have we utilized technology and innovative ideas to bring about those experiences in a way that they haven't been able to interact with before? All of these are really complex challenges as a result of the pandemic, but just as a result of wanting to grow as an industry as well. We are all inundated more so than ever. We use the term information overload, but it's really a, it's really apropos because we know that medical knowledge is, is actually increasing. It's doubling in less than 80 days or so. And that was an estimate on from 2020, right? So it's, it's likely going even faster now. The science itself is more complex than ever because we have access to just these vast amounts of data and these real-world databases as well. So, so the science is moving fast and the pace of it. We're doing new trial adaptations and designs where we're pulling things in, in in adaptive ways, but we're also communicating our findings to wider ranges of stakeholders. It's wonderful. It's, it's truly just an amazing time to live in because people are actively seeking so much information online and we're able to speak with physicians, community experts, and and thought leaders, patients, and payers across all these various settings across the globe, including in virtual settings. The other piece that I touched on lightly was that the data are advancing, the data are getting more complex and bigger. But what I also want to say is that it's not just the data, it's the analytics that we can use in looking at the data, but also in even understanding how people are looking at the data. So, you know, we have real world evidence, we have bioinformatics, we have large scale genetics, but in the end, we also have clinical decision making and people are more able to rapidly identify knowledge gaps and understand them than they were before. And we can see how they're doing it through these various analytic platforms that are offered. Really, I think the the important thing to be aware of is that all this is going on, but it's worthwhile to invest in innovation, to do so consciously, because hope the hope is really that it'll help us to overcome these challenges and harness all this information and look at things in new and more holistic ways. You talked about innovation being a big word, and thematically it certainly is, and then the investment in it being so critical and the urgency around it in our industry right now. You know, one of the challenges is thinking of different examples and ways people have innovated in our industry and trying to pull those examples into our own overarching strategies. Is something like this going to work for our team? Now, it's really easy to wrap your head around something that's tactical like that, an actual work example of something that's live in the field, as they say. But truly, it starts at identifying those challenges that you just listed out because everybody's opportunities are going to be different depending on the challenge that they're trying to overcome. So let's say those challenges have been identified within a team and we know the opportunities are endless for how we can meet those challenges. But how would you recommend a team begins planning for new ideas? We have many tools at our disposal. The most important thing to do, right, when you start out is to really educate yourself on what's available. 
and try to understand what it does mean to think a little bit differently and understand what innovation may be for you and your team, because it really is going to be important for future viability in the industry and to help ensure the best outcomes for patients who we ultimately serve. Yeah, I sometimes compare it to doing a needs assessment within your own organization. So in order to have a vision for where you want to bring things, you have to be realistic of your starting point. And then knowing that your finish line might be different from another organization's finish line because your challenges are different. Or again, your starting point is different. So putting a plan together truly should be focused on that original need that you've set for yourself, whether you're trying to gather insights in a more insightful way uh, or a more innovative way, or you're optimizing some engagement with your external stakeholders. You have all of these traditional tactics at play and you want to optimize those so that they're more digital forward. There are so many options to your point and it's going to be different for everybody. And just going through that assessment of what your challenges are and what your needs are is a great starting point. And clearly there have been a lot of organizations in our industry who have done that because there are some great examples of recent innovations, even ones that you have worked on with your team and then outside of that, what other folks in the industry have deployed. So Because there are countless examples of publications and and innovative ways to do this that aren't necessarily focused on digital, I kind of wanted to expand this question outside of our typical digital transformation conversation and ask you if there are a few examples that stand out to you as just being overarchingly innovative and not necessarily transformative in a digital sense. Yeah, we shouldn't restrict ourselves, right? So it's it's a process and an outcome, and it's not necessarily solely a digital one, although it is what we think of more typically. There are a number that stand out to me. They will likely stand out, stand out to others, and we may not even be fully conscious or fully appreciate just how fast things are changing and how fast our own standards in the industry are being modified as well. One that that is very innovative, but has been kind of becoming the standard more and more is the is in the realm of simultaneous publications. So these are these used to be less frequent, right? They're challenging to execute. They require an enormous amount of prep work and collaboration amongst our KOLs and our journals. And they serve to advance science quickly and in a timely way so that a lecture that's being given at a Congress is not only being received by the audience at the meeting, but people are also able to simultaneously read the article and understand it. The journals themselves are changing and are becoming more willing to collaborate and work with industry and academics to support the requirements to achieve these publications. They're coming out through the web, um, and sometimes they're including supplemental content, including video. So this is this is a tremendous advance, and it's very quickly becoming more of a standard, although we do need to be cognizant of setting real expectations with our stakeholders, both internally ex- and externally. I think another one that we're running into more and more is the, the emergence of preprints. So again, here we see an acceleration of access to key information and breakthroughs in science. We need to balance this with the need to ensure accuracy and integrity of the review process for these publications. And I think this is even more important in the time of COVID and in the time of the pandemic. 
What we're also seeing is through the process of creation of publications and Congress presentations, we're able to co-create more, which is very exciting. So for our reviews with our authors and even through the journal sites, I would imagine, we're seeing that reviews are able to happen online with various types of software platforms that are available. So these co-reviews and these this co-creation of slides that occurs online, again, enables faster and even joint reviews and drafting of materials that, again, speeds up the process for all of us. That's really kind of on our side too, but I also don't want to forget the patient side of things. Patients are increasingly owning their experiences and their journeys, and they are doing their own research and want to be a part of the conversation. And this is only going to increase. There are actually two Euro Oncology Congresses this year, EAU, the European Association of Urology, and AUA, the American Urological Association, which have patient poster tracks fully integrated into their scientific programs. So this is the first time this is happening in oncology. We have seen it a bit in rare disease and in inflammation. And these things are likely going to only expand. And I think that the virtual platforms that we have access to now and the hybrid settings are going to enable patients to even participate more in the future. Mentioning those verbal platforms, that's an obvious use of technology in allowing us to be innovative with how we're disseminating some of our information. And there are many other examples of technology being utilized to address needs or opportunities. We've got folks who are utilizing AI to draft publication summaries. We have publication companies who are utilizing AI in their review process. And then you mentioned big data and analytics previously. Data visualization is truly evolving in the face of all of this information and data that we have. And it's changing to be more interactive in some cases with the use of technologies. Are there other examples specific to technology or digital that you find as being innovative and a guiding light for the rest of us in the industry? Oh, absolutely. So there's a spectrum of opportunities here as we we talked about, right, Leslie? I think as you hear us talk about all this, it becomes very apparent that there is a lot happening. And I think that, again, take it back to the scientific questions that you have and the, and the strategy that you're working on and educate yourself on the spectrum of opportunities that exist so that you can take advantage of some of these things. With AI, it's, it's almost a whole nother realm of possibility. AI is artificial intelligence. It is a loosely defined concept that describes how automated systems perform tasks that are considered to require human intelligence. So there's a lot of literature on it and a lot of expectation associated with the technology It's being applied in medicine and pathology and radiology to help assess images. And it's also being applied already, likely, by your HEOR colleagues for real-world evidence analyses of information that's derived from medical records, for example. So it is upon us, but again, there's a spectrum of technologies out there from simple natural language processing, which is really just pulling out information based on word searches, uh, very sophisticated word searches, if you will, to things like machine learning, where the, the machine actually learns based on its previous experience. 
But for us, right, as pubs professionals, as publications professionals, it's really just important to be aware of this, to educate yourself on it, to understand that you are already likely seeing it in your day-to-day in some form, but also to keep an eye on its potential. What it can potentially do is help you with generation of summaries of information. It can help you with your literature analyses and your gap analyses, which is something that we are doing very actively. And it can also potentially help obtain information and insights from various clinical trial databases. There are other use cases that are actually being described here at ISMAP. And in the future, I expect we're going to be able to use AI for even hypothesis generation and answering of of key questions. So direct Q&A, we call it. Right now, there are still some limitations to these technologies. It's not yet able to answer the questions directly for us, although there are many groups who are working on that. The user interface in many cases of these platforms can be very complex and require a certain amount of expertise from people like data analysts who actually can help you put your queries into these API, these backend systems associated with the AI platforms. But the technologies are making significant strides and they can assist us when seeking information on key issues. AI is going to help us be able to spend more time on actually analyzing the data and and thinking about it and thinking about it in a more holistic way for our publication plans um, and our discussions with our colleagues. And we're going to spend more time doing that instead of spending it on information gathering and more manual tasks that we've become accustomed to. Well, great. I really look forward to continuing this conversation, Jenny. There's so much to unpack here, but our next episode, we can focus on what is really driving digital transformation within the publication industry, which is truly this need to communicate research as quickly as possible. So thanks again for your time, and we look forward to our next episode of Informed as we move further into this conversation. To our listeners to coming to informed our medical communication podcast please take a minute to follow the show on your favorite podcast app inform your colleagues and rate our show highly if you liked what you heard today we hope you will also join us at an upcoming is webinar or even consider becoming a member of our association just go to ismap.org that's ismpp.org to learn more This has been a production of Evergreen Podcasts. A special thank you to producer Leah Lawnbreak and audio engineer Eric Coltnow.